This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Sportsbook. We are at the NFL season. NFL is upon us. We actually kicked this podcast off, sorry, pun intended, I guess, uh, one full year ago at the start of last NFL season. So here we are. We have come full circle. Of course, at some point, we made that a broad sports business podcast. It was originally born as a business of football podcast. We did a lot of golf, that's for sure, all summer. Uh, We did a lot of golf talk. We did baseball talk. But finally, it's time for football. So I'm sure lots of our listeners will be pleased for that. And there are certainly a lot of storylines this football season. Uh, God, from Nike just this week announcing a big sponsorship with Colin Kaepernick even though he is not currently playing and is suing the league. Uh, We will surely have more political overhang this season. We've got President Trump tweeting about the league. Uh, Over the summer, NFL owners met and did try to come to agreement on a new protest policy. At first, they said, okay, the new rule is teams will be fined if a player kneels. The NFLPA had issues with that, filed a grievance. So then the NFL said, okay, we'll put it on hold. And as of now, with the season kicking off, There isn't yet any clear official new policy, so we'll just have to see what happens. And then, of course, separate from all that, there's the actual product on the field. Uh, A lot of good storylines with actual football. Uh, You know, we have the birds kicking off on Thursday. I think it's Falcons-Eagles. The Eagles are the reigning Super Bowl champions, as much as I hate to say it. Uh, I hope to see my Pats get back there this year. I'd love to see Brady get one more ring. And from a business perspective, always interesting for us at Yahoo Finance to talk about the sponsorship side of things. Boy, if you scroll down the list of official NFL sponsors, it's all the biggest blue-chip American brands you know. Bud Light, there's Bose Headphones, Campbell's Soup, Bridgestone Tires, FedEx, Tostitos, Gatorade. A lot of those brands are uh, Frito-Lay, of course. There's Hyundai, Intel, Nationwide, Pepsi, P&G, which, of course, uh, owns a lot of big consumer brands. And breaking it all down for us, always love having him on to talk about the sponsorship side of things, to talk about what brands that advertise during football games, whether or not they are official sponsors, are thinking and feeling, uh, especially amidst all the political heat. We're bringing in our good friend, Brian Cristiano. He is the CEO of ad agency Bold Worldwide. Hey, Brian. How are you? Good to be back on. Terrific. Great to have you. Uh, well, let's just kind of start broad. Here we are at the start of a new season. Uh, we had you, I think, last year around the time of the Super Bowl, and it's always interesting to talk about Super Bowl ads. But there's the regular season to be discussed. Uh, you know, sure to be a big narrative again about ratings, and everyone loves to scrutinize are the ratings down. But at the end of the day, you know, NFL still the biggest game in town, right? Of course, of course. Look. Are the ratings down? Yes. But are the ratings still big in comparison to most things on television? Also, yes. And so the end of the day, people are still watching. Are maybe some people tuning out? Are maybe some people watching just highlights online socially? Yes, of course, that's happening. We know that shift from TV to digital is just the obvious thing that's you know been happening for years and will continue to happen. But at the end of the day, brands still need to be where it's relevant, which is sports. And football, most of all. <laughs> of course. of course. I mean, look, of all the sports, which gets the most attention. And, you know, as we're recording this, what's getting the most attention right now? Not just because of the beginning of the season. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we will talk about the Nike Kaepernick deal, which is very much in the news right now. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the the changing way people are watching football. I mean, this is nothing new. It's been kind of an endless drumbeat for a few years, but I do feel like it evolves every year, the, the number of different options you have to watch the games. Uh, just today in our Yahoo Finance staff meeting, someone was saying, oh, yeah, Thursday night is kickoff, and and where's the game? What, what, what network is it on? And someone else said, well, you can watch it on Amazon, you know. Uh, you know, Amazon for the second season in a row has 10 of these Thursday night football games. Uh, and I believe it's Fox that has the Thursday night games, but not all of them. Some of them are just on NFL Network. Uh, but CBS this year, no Thursdays. So when you look at kind of the landscape of how to watch these games, especially the Amazon example, although there are certainly other examples of digital-only platforms. You know, Twitter ha has some, some NFL content. But uh, do you hear more and more over the last couple of years from brands that say, well, what can we do on something other than television? And how can we, you know, wh what's the appropriate way to, to run an ad that, that will only be on digital? Well, yes and no. Everyone is talking about how do we adapt to the social landscape? What do we do about Amazon streaming at the NFL? What do we do about when Twitter streamed the NFL? What do we do about all these social clips and highlights and gifts that are going out before and people are just watching those? What do we do about that? But then the actions are not matching the question. All of the actions of the major brands are just simply doing exactly what they do on TV and just giving that 30-second ad to Amazon instead of coming up with how do we actually integrate with an interactive platform where people can 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 you know interact in real time and be on the actual device where they're watching, which is different than TV. So most brands are still not actually trying to figure out how do I integrate into digital. They're just saying, how do we take our TV ads and also put it in digital, which is not the solution. That's really interesting that they're not innovating quickly enough for digital platforms. And let's drill down further into that. When we talk about, you know, brands should be exploiting and taking advantage of these great opportunities to, to do real-time interacting. You know, I think of Twitter first because I'm in the media and I love Twitter. I, I just think it's such a useful tool. But one thing I'm always trying to remind myself and, and make sure I don't forget is Twitter is just so small compared to Facebook. You know, it, it's 350 million users. I'm not saying that's small in and of itself. But, I mean, Facebook is $2 billion. It's like you can't compare. But then there's still, you know, we talk about Instagram, which is growing quickly. That has a billion users. We talk about Snapchat, although, you know, a lot of the news about Snap is negative. Uh, yeah. What, what, are, what are the platforms that you think are sort of underutilized and, and have value for, for brands or sponsors? And, and what do you think of the places? I guess what are some examples you saw last year of some exceptions to what you're saying? Any interesting things that brands did on those platforms that stood out? Well, I, I think I think there's two there's two prime examples. The current example being Instagram TV, IGTV. Mm. It's extremely new. Do I think that anyone is sitting there and watching long form TV shows, uh, you know, on a constant binge basis on Instagram? Not yet. However, there is an ability to capitalize on something that is so new that doesn't cost you anything. And if you can become the brand or become the media platform that actually utilizes this tool in a way where people start using it more for your brand or for your uh, you know, media consumption, now you're ahead of the pack. So for me, I think it's something that most brands are not really actually diving into. And now is the, now is the opportunity, even if long term it doesn't play out. Uh, Facebook uh, Watch is also something where I haven't seen insane traction take off uh, over the last year, year, year and a half since uh, Facebook has put that out. 
However, I'm also not seeing brands or even media outlets really do anything outside of just duplicating whatever content they're putting out on normal uh, broadcast and then duplicating that for social. And where the real win is going to happen is where a brand can step in or a media outlet steps in and say, this is going to be unique to IGTV or unique to Facebook Watch or unique to YouTube. And so me as the consumer, I'm getting something of value that's interesting, that's different, that I can't get watching it on TV, but I can also watch it in my own time on those platforms. And I think that's where the real win is. And some brands are dabbling, but where I'm seeing most success, it's not coming from the bigger you know, Fortune 500 brands. It's coming from more mid-sized brands. It's coming from, you know, personal brands actually are, are doing an incredible job. And that's, but brands themselves that actually have the resources and the finances to, to go above and beyond aren't actually innovating or investing in these platforms yet. And I think it's because they want to see how it plays out and they don't want to detract from what they already know. But the reality is they need to actually be the ones that innovate because that's what makes these platforms get traction. They're not going away and it's not going to slow down. So it's just a matter of who wants to actually take the opportunity. And I'm, I'm not really seeing any big brands step up. Yeah, it's an interesting chicken and egg problem. You're right. You know, especially IGTV. We've been looking at that, you know, here at Yahoo Finance. And it's like I've posted a couple things to my own. You know, I have no I have like, you know, less than a thousand followers. Uh, but one problem with IGTV just functionally is like you can't really find it. It's not so easy to see the button. I don't think a lot of people are, are knowing to check it. Often you end up inside IGTV and it was accidental. I'm not sure that many people are, are aware of it yet. But you're right. I mean, brands would say, well, because of that, why use it? We're waiting to see what others do. But if no one goes ahead and does anything, then the innovation doesn't happen. So someone needs to actually kind of dip a toe in and test those waters. Of course. And, and if you think back and you now, in hindsight, say, man, imagine if when Facebook first came out, we were all over that platform instead of waiting four or five years, where would we be? Imagine if when YouTube launched, we started a content series, you know, in the first year of the platform, instead of waiting nine years to start putting content out, imagine where you'd be. It's the same thing. Now, does IGTV ultimately be a winner? I don't know. But the reality is if you're not willing to test and innovate, especially a brand that has the capabilities to do so and the investment uh, ability to do so, then you're just leaving so much, so many chips on the table and you're just hoping someone else will innovate and then you're just copying. You're not the innovator. You know, with Facebook Watch, I would say one exception, I'd be curious your take on how successful it was, was the Tom Brady uh, series, Tom versus Time. I mean, I saw that getting a lot of play, although I'm biased, I'm from Boston, all my friends are Patriots fans, so everyone I know is watching it, but I don't know what kind of like a national splash it made. Well, look, the, here's the thing, and this, I think, is the context for this part of the conversation, which is it's not anymore about trying to have your message or your content reach everyone. You can reach your audience that cares about what you have to talk about directly and give them what they actually want. And that's what happened with the Tom Brady uh, Facebook Watch content, because you, all of your you know, friends and fans of, of, of the Pats, watched it, binge watched it, talked about it, had a conversation about it. But people who aren't a Pats fan, they didn't watch it. And that's okay. But that's the reality of media today. You're not trying to hit these massive broad audiences where everyone watches your stuff because that is not how media works anymore. So you just need to cater to who's your actual core audience and how do we get it to them in the way they want to consume it. And that's what uh, that's a great example of how well that worked. Yeah. Uh, Brian, are you watching the show Succession? I'm not. I'm not. If people are telling me about it, I don't have the time to actually watch any of this yeah. stuff. So, yeah, I, I, it's, uh, I should tune in. It's, it's an HBO show. Now, the reason I bring it up 
it's it's supposed to be clearly about this Rupert Murdoch type and his sons, you know, work for his business. And the CEO, who's old, you know, he owns a lot of print newspapers and he wants to buy local cable channels. But the sons are young and they have their eye toward the future and they're looking at new media. You know, one of them wants to buy like a BuzzFeed type company. And there's a great scene. And I, I want to mention it for, for the next question. Someone says to the youngest son, who's now the COO, you know, what's your strategy? You know, what's your vision? And he's kind of a jerk and an idiot, but he kind of thinks. And so they make it like this is a tossed off comment, but he's not wrong. He says, well, you know, with all due respect to magazines and newspapers and local news channels, and all those are great. We own a bunch of those. And he says, but those are dead, man. Those are dead. No one's going to be watching those in a few years. Instead, like, give me the morsels. Give me those tasty nuggets, those tasty little morsels and bites. And in the scene, the actor does a good job. It's Kieran Culkin, and he sounds like, you know, jackass. But (laughs) he's not wrong that that is where things are headed. I mean... You know, you look at the, this political news website, Axios, that launched. You know, their, their slogan is like brevity. And all of their stories, even the longer ones, are done in bullet points. Uh, you look at the way that most of us, I shouldn't say most, many people I know, get their news via email newsletters in the morning. You know, the way that we consume a game, if it wasn't our team now, a lot more people, me included, are satisfied with just seeing little clips and highlights on Twitter and Instagram. Does that scare brands and sponsors? Does that necessarily have to be a sad thing of, ugh, this sucks? Or, hey, get with it, jump on board, this is the new normal, figure out how to adapt and and still thrive. Here's the thing, brands are scared of it because they don't know how to deal with it because it's so different from how they've operated forever. The reality is any brand that's willing to jump into that head first and say, this is just how it is today. And so we're going to create content. We're going to create messaging and marketing that actually fits how consumption is in these quick bullet pointed conversations that then lead up to longer uh, videos, longer form content. If you're interested, that's just how today works. So the brands that are willing to do that, there's a massive, uh, there's a massive arbitrage there. And I think the best example of this actually is Google search results. We've, you've all seen it where you'll search something like a question, uh, you know, Oh, what was, uh, who won the Super Bowl last year? And, and you'll see not just search results, you'll see these little drop downs where it's who went and you can click on it and it's almost like an FAQ and they're pulling that from websites. Why? Because people just want the information quick, simple. I don't need to go to your website. If you can in one sentence or two sentences, give me the answer. Why do I need to click, go to your website and Google knows that. And I think that because we're seeing the actual interface of how Google search works, you're seeing that as a reflection of how people want to consume media across the board. And I think Google is way, is, a, is much more in front of how this is, but people aren't even talking about that. But that is a reflection of how people consume. We are talking, Brian, about how brands try to dominate the conversation, how they try to have people talking about them. So now let's get into it. Let's talk about the big news of the week, which was Nike doing this sponsorship deal with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, it's such a multifaceted, complicated issue and topic. I mean, I watched even just in the first 24 hours after Nike rolled this out, how the conversation kind of shifted. Like, there were people at first who didn't like it for the obvious reasons you'd expect, who were saying, you know, I find it, I I don't like that Nike is supporting Kaepernick because I don't support Kaepernick and I find the protesting disrespectful to the military. Fine. But then there was sort of a nuanced thing where I saw some people saying that they didn't love it, but it wasn't for that reason. It was, well, it somehow demeans Kaepernick's message that now he's doing a corporate advertisement. So with all that there is to unpack to this deal, there's the political baggage, but there's also uh, 
the noise, and I mean that both positively and negatively. I mean, I saw some people with the simple take that regardless of what you think of it and regardless of what you think of Kaepernick, certainly, objectively, Nike dominated the conversation. You know, it's like the phrase, any press is good press. I mean, Nike is the biggest discussion at the start of the NFL season. That's something, right? So from your perspective in advertising, what was your take on, on Nike doing this? Look, we can put the politics aside, though I know everyone wants to latch on to the po- political side. Nike was very calculated. They knew, I don't even want to call it a risk. They knew the potential rewards, and they know and they understand that being in the headlines is more important than trying to appeal to every single person. All of the brands, which is most of them, that try to dance around everything, they don't want to disappoint one group or another, they, they don't want to take a stand, they don't, they're, they're playing it down the middle, we're not talking about any of them. We only talk about today's media, today's conversation, today's consumer is totally different than it was 15 or 20 years ago. 15 or 20 years ago, yes, you, you didn't want to necessarily offend anybody because everyone wanted just the, the good brand that they could stand behind. Today, everyone's on extremes. That's where the conversation happens. It's on one side or the other. It's black or it's white. Um, and I don't mean that in a literal sense, but it's you know unfortunately part of the political conversation. It's part of the culture conversation. Everyone wants to take a side. It's you, it's us, it's them, it's this. And the reality is if you're playing in the middle and you're just trying to be reasonable and say, well, okay, we don't want to offend anyone. No one's going to talk about you. So then the only way to reach anyone with a message is through paying a lot of money to get it in front of people in a very inefficient way. Nike has probably, probably crossed the $100 million mark in free media by just doing this. You can argue and say like, well, at the end of the day, it's a negative conversation. It's a negative conversation for one part uh, a small percentage of the population. It's a positive conversation for also a small part of the population. Everyone in the middle isn't even involving themselves. They're they're watching this go on. They're looking at the comments, but they're not sharing. They're not talking because they don't want to get involved. The reality is the headlines are all about being on one side or the other, having a stance, saying something, and not being afraid to just stick with it, even as you're you know you're drinking the haterade, uh, you know, being Nike on this. Um, but at the end of the day, when we're talking strictly business, not politics, it's about dominating the headline. It's about dominating the conversation. We're not even really t- – I'm not even seeing so much conversation about the actual NFL season. I'm seeing more conversation about Nike. Mike, let's let's think about this for a second. Everyone's talking about, oh, their stock price went down 3% in the first day. Well, it's already up almost 1% day two. And at the end of the day, they're not thinking about what's our stock price going to be next week. They're thinking about next quarter, next year, next five years, next 10 years. This is a blip on the radar. And Nike has never been afraid to be a little controversial. You could say this is more or less controversial than other things they've done in the past. It doesn't matter. The reality is they knew who they're talking to, and they're not afraid to, uh, to, to, to create some haters in one part of the conversation by appealing to another. That's it. If you were advising Adidas or Under Armour, uh, right now, and they were saying, "Well, well, how do we get in?" You know, Nike also happens to be the official apparel sponsor of the NFL. But you know, Adidas has actually tried to do a lot more with American football in the last two seasons. I've written a little bit about that. They've endorsed more players, uh, Von Miller, uh, among others. You know, what if what if those companies said, "Well, should we try to do anything in response? Should we change what we're doing, or we stick to our plan and just watch as Nike gobbles up all the attention?" What's something they could try to do? I would actually say to not try to be reactionary to this because here's the thing. The second that a brand tries to jump in on something and it's inauthentic, it's just to grab the headline, that is when everyone goes against you. Nike 
they've been sponsoring Kaepernick for a long time. This is just the first time we're actually seeing it in marketing, right? And so Nike's always sponsored Kaepernick. Now they're just like, hey, now is the time we're going to create a message around this, and we're not afraid to do it right before the season. That has, has authenticity, whether you like it or not, whether you agree or not, whether you think it's political or you just think it's business, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they're authentic about it. If tomorrow another shoe brand jumps in and takes the other side of it, everyone will know, their fans and their haters, that they're being inauthentic and they will lose. So unless you really mean it and unless you're creating an, an original conversation and saying something you can actually back up and you believe in and you're going to stand behind it, unless you're going to say that, stay away from it. Hmm. But the reality is brands aren't willing to stand up and say something that they do believe in because they're too afraid that they're going to lose some part of the audience. And you know what? They will. But the reality is, like we said earlier, it's not about these mass audiences anymore. It's about understanding your core consumer, your core audience, and speaking to them. That's it. It's interesting when you say, you know, no one's even really talking about actual football. I mean, obviously some are, but you're right. What has dominated the conversation this week is this Nike deal, uh, you know, good for Nike, strictly in that sense, good move by them to dominate the conversation. Uh, I would extend it further, and I would say that for the last two seasons, regardless of your politics and what you think of him, Colin Kaepernick has been the most talked about football player. The irony being, he's not playing football. And so I'd, I'd use that as an excuse to ask you one of my favorite questions when we talk about the big sports leagues and branding, and I think I probably asked you uh, last season, but... Uh, we, we usually talk about it in, with regards to baseball, and we say, who is the face of baseball? Who is the best-known player in the sport, the most marketable? And in baseball, it is an interesting conversation right now because most real baseball nerds agree that Mike Trout is the best player in the league by far, but he is just not a marketable known star, and that kind of became a little kerfuffle recently. The commissioner was asked about it, and, the, and Commissioner Manfred basically said, well, he's boring. So, you know, we can leave that over there, but when we talk about the NFL— is it just still Tom Brady? I mean, for a while, obviously, it was Peyton Manning. Now he's not playing. Who do you see as the few biggest, most marketable stars in the NFL on a national scale? Well, look, I mean, uh, you know, I said the same answer last year. Talk about Brady. Um, you know, and, and you can add in some, you know, you can add in maybe girly a little bit. You can you can you can go you can keep going uh, down. But at the end of the day, let's think about this for a second. Right. Because we know those are the obvious answers. The most marketable person right now is someone who doesn't even play in the NFL. And this is the biggest, um, this is the answer to everything. Because think about it. The person who is getting sponsored, who's getting paid to, about the NFL doesn't even play for the NFL. You know why? Because they have the attention. Because Colin has the attention. You don't have to like it, but he has the attention. That's what people are talking about. He, un he is standing for something that he believes in. A lot of people clearly don't, and that's okay. Nike is backing that, and they are capitalizing on his attention. So we're talking about where is marketing headed, who's marketable in the future. It's the person with the most attention, not necessarily the best player, right? And we talked about this last year, and we definitely talked about it in baseball. At the end of the day, the person, the brand, the company that wins three years, five years, ten years down the line has the conversation, it's not necessarily about being the best player or even being a player anymore. It's about who is talking about who and can you be a part of that conversation. It doesn't matter how you do it. You just have to be authentic about it and you got to stand behind it and be okay that there is going to be a percentage of the population, large or small, that doesn't like it and you have to be okay with that. Yeah, you know, in keeping with a percentage of the population not liking things, uh, you know, and without you know getting into our own politics, but... The NFL, because of all this, the, the protests, Kaepernick kneeling, Trump tweeting angrily about the NFL, 
has been very politicized. I mean, that is objectively true. You know, the last couple of seasons now, what everyone loves to debate is, well, how much of the ratings decline is because of politics? You know, what I always say is certainly it has had some impact, but it's not the only thing. There's lots of factors. But when we talk about it from the perspective of companies that either want to run ads during NFL games or run ads opposite NFL games or our NFL sponsors, is there any relief in sight? Does it worry them how politicized football has become? Can we get away from that in the future? Or maybe everyone needs to accept that somehow this has become the sort of most divisive sport, even though it's also like the most universally in America liked and watched sport. Brands are nervous behind the scenes that even just by participating in the NFL, if the conversation gets swayed too far one way or the other, that their brand's going to get protested. People are going to burn their products. And the thing about it is that that's going to either happen because you're part of the conversation or you're just going to become irrelevant and never be a part of the conversation. And so the brands just need to get over it and say, this is just how it is today. It's very opinionated. Everything's politicized. So you know what? What do we really believe in? What are we willing to say publicly? And let's just hold true to that end of story and then just stand in the face of any of, of the pushback. Um, you know, I, I, I think that this is just such an interesting and unique time where brands are going to probably try to go the other way. They're going to soften their message. They're going to stay m- much more in the middle. And the reality is, yes, are people not watching the NFL potentially because of the politics? Of course, there are some people that that's happening to. But that's just talking about this conversation in a silo. If we just look at and say, is TV in general being consumed more or less or equal to on a year-over-year basis? No, it's less and less every single year. And so that's clearly the actual impetus. And then there's just a fraction of that audience that might have accelerated out because they don't have that same view. That's it. This change is happening not because of the politics. It's happening because the consumer behavior has changed. The politics might accelerate a little bit. And the reality is that that's where the conversation is headed. And those are the headlines being written. And so if you're just trying to stay away from that entirely, you're never going to be a part of the conversation. Uh, Brian, this has been a great chat. Always is. I agree with you. There are macro business factors leading to ratings being down. And I expect They'll be down some amount again this year, but I'll just say I hope that's not the only conversation. I hope it's not just another season where every week I have to write about the ratings are down this much. Uh, I hope there are other interesting storylines, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll probably check in with you and and get your take too. Yes, I and, and I agree. And the thing is, it's not just about declining uh, ratings. It's just where are people now consuming? They're they're reading your Twitter. They're not necessarily just <laughs> at that exact moment. That's it. It just changed. It, it, nobody went away. No consumers went away. Yes. They just where they're going. Right. That's it. That's reading, reading my Twitter and reading yours as well. Uh, his Twitter account is at BoldCEO, B-O-L-D-C-E-O. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Okay, and that was Brian Cristiano of Bold Worldwide. Uh, we love getting into it, into the NFL season, and I'm sure that the next few weeks there will probably be more football talk, so stick with us. We come out every Thursday morning. Uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Sportsbook Podcast and give us some comments. You can find us on Twitter, as Brian so kindly noted. You can email me. You can comment on our stories on Yahoo Finance, and we love to review those comments. So let us know what you're thinking about the NFL. Are you protesting? What are you expecting? Who do you think will win the Super Bowl? All that good stuff. Tell us and see you next Thursday. Goodbye.